Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine. Hosted by me, Danielle Robay, And me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. I am the ferryman. In the shadows of the afterlife, the Ferryman of Souls guides America's most influential spirits to their eternal rest. Where are you taking me? Are you death? This road is not on any map. How much for a ticket? All I ask for in payment is a tale. I don't know who got to Kennedy first. And the devastation those first bombs caused. I've never been to hell, but I know intimately the hymns of the damned. Binge this season of The Passage now. Listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Attention DC, Boston, Toronto, and any place that can fly to those cities, we're gonna be live on stage doing our thing again on May 4th, 5th, and 6th this year. That's right, and I gotta say, we've done this topic a few times already, and it's a real banger, and we can't wait to come to your city and have you see it with us. We're so excited! And we just can't hide it. So go to linktree slash SYSK and get your tickets today. Welcome to Stuff You Should Know, a production of iHeartRadio. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh, and there's Chuck, and Jerry's here, too, in low data mode, and this is Stuff You Should Know. <laughs> what does that mean? I just got a message flashed on my screen that Jerry's in low data mode. Oh, really? <laughs> That's funny. It means she's low-key. Uh, Livia helped us with this one, and you know what Livia has gotten great at lately? Is titling these episodes in fun ways. Yeah, for sure. You want to you wanna say this one, too? Yeah, and it's generally just for us, which I appreciate. Uh, but this is about dousing, uh, a.k.a. water witching, the practice of using sticks or metal rods or something to mm -hmm. walk around and uh, have and tell you whether or not there's water underground or uh, iron ore or a body, body. Yeah, body being buried or whatever. So we'll get into all that. But <laughs> Livia uh, titled it The Surprisingly Long-Lasting Art of Dousing. <laughs> <laughs> And I think it's appropriate she called it an art because it's definitely not a science, although people have tried to apply science to it in interesting ways. Yeah, and a lot of people say it's pure bunk. Uh, I, th I just think it's very interesting, and I've never known much about it, and that's how I'm kind of choosing topics these days is mm -hmm. what do I want to learn about? <laughs> right. You know? Sure. Me first. That's right. And through me, we can be the conduit to others. To amazing new ideas Hopefully. like dowsing. And actually, we shouldn't say this is a new idea for us because this um, we actually did a chapter in our book, remember, on dowsing? That's right. And in that chapter, um, I went back and reread it, and I was very satisfied that we basically took the stance that, that we're taking today that you just took that basically, you know, some people call it bunk. I don't know enough about it to say either way. And just to keep our, our minds open. And even though... It is bunk in a lot of ways. We're not, like, going to poo-poo it or tear it down like we did crop circles. Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I, I agree. Um, it's something that people have been doing for over 500 years. And and like we said, it's got a, bun a bunch of different names. But dousing, basically, as we think of it today, um, is something that started in 16th century, uh, what would now be Germany. And the mining industry there, which was a new thing that was really growing fast. Mm -hmm. And they were looking for ore underground, veins of ore. And it looks like as early as 1530, there was somebody, a mining expert named uh, Jorg uh, Ericola, who talked about dousing and divining rods in a way that he wasn't like, hey, this is what this is, like as if people understood what it was. Right. In his book, De Re Metallica. <laughs> is that really what it was called? Yeah. That's a yeah. pretty great name. 
Um, so, uh, yeah, the Germans are pretty much unambiguously the people who created dowsing, at least in the roughly modern era. And it got imported to England pretty quickly. Um, and France also. So in England, they were using it for mining just like they were in, in Germany to yeah. discover ore. But France also adopted it, and they said, hey, we're going to use this for water instead. I didn't see where they got that idea from or why, but they um, – I don't – there's, like, supposed references in the Bible which may or may not reflect dowsing. Who knows? It's possible that they thought that's what it was used for in France. I'm not sure. But by the 16th and early 17th century, you had people – a lot of people in Western Europe walking around with forked sticks looking for ore and water. Um, and basically being like, this this really works. This is how we're going to find water. And back then it made a lot of sense because there wasn't any other way to find water. So why not walk around with a fork stick? Yeah. And the idea, we'll get into to sort of how uh, people do it later on, but um, is that you hold a fork stick. Uh, back then, at least, that was sort of what they were using exclusively. Uh, and it would dip down when there was something underneath you of note. Uh, there was ro- a man named Robert Boyle, um, known as the father of chemistry in the 17th century, who described it as a forked hazel twig. Uh, I believe there were other woods used. Hazel is one that's kind of mentioned a lot. Yeah. Uh, what was one of the other ones? Um, I've seen peach, um, rowan, which I, I am not familiar with the rowan tree, but apparently there's plenty of them here and they bear fruit. Okay. Um, but it's a it's like a fruit wood. That's supposedly really good for it. Um, witch hazel is another one. And then willow, um, which makes a lot of sense because willow trees tend to grow where there's water near the surface. Mm. So it would kind of make sense that you would use a willow um, branch. And then you'd turn around and just point to the willow tree and say, down there. That's right. And then if it's the 1950s through 70s, you could switch your child with it. <laughs> that's right. My grandmother. Oh, my dear sweet. Uh, my dad's mom opal mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. she uh she would make us go pick out our switch no which is i think was a tradition in the south like go pick out the switch that i'm going to use and that was the punishment that was the fear and you would oh, oh, you go out there and you pick the the flimsiest twig that you could find right and come back and then she she never touched us she didn't uh, oh that's good she didn't do that similarly when you were really bad grandma opal would make you dig your own grave in the backyard <laughs> Really get to you. Just make me but get, she never used line. it. No. <laughs> oh, man. I miss her. She was great. Yeah. Lived to 101. I know. That's amazing. Not bad. Yeah. Uh, so we mentioned other things that you could find underground, like dead bodies. Uh, this happened for a while. In the late uh, 17th centuries, uh, they started getting into things like, hey, we could find treasure using these Y rods. We could find, um, We could find the bodies that we were talking about. We could find... A, a property boundary that no one can agree on. Yeah, uh, that one's really out there. Well, and that's very like, I mean, you better agree on who's doing doing that job between right. two neighborhoods who are at dispute with one another, you know? Yeah, for sure. It's you like, want to call the best dowser in your area. Let's use my guy. He'll show you show us where the property <laughs> line is. Right, exactly. Uh, but there was a French peasant named Jacques uh, Amar who in the latish 17th century uh, as the story goes, was uh, water dousing, and the rod pointed down very sharply. And he said, mm-hmm. hey, let's get some guys out here, dig down and get this water. And before you knew it, they struck body, and yeah. it was a murdered woman. And he not only found the body, but then went to the the widower and the, the family, basically, and said, I'm going to point this thing at you guys. And the thing dipped at her uh, former husband. He fled the scene and was found out to be the murderer. And so now all of a sudden, dousing rods are, for a while at least, and for this guy for sure, a a way to 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 root out murderers and dead bodies. So much so that in Lyon, um, there was a, a group of like I think a husband and wife who owned a wine shop there who were murdered four years later after he discovered that first body, and they actually contacted Jacques Amar and said, can you come help us find who did this? And so he set about with his dowsing stick looking. I think he actually got into a boat at one point and sailed around. Wow. Looking for a murderer, rooted one out. He found one in another town. Um, And that guy actually confessed and then fingered two other accomplices who had fled France by that time. So 
you're like, well, that guy was very special as far as dowsing goes. There's a lot of ways to interpret it, too, if you're going to be a skeptic, where you could say, like, this is the 16th century or 17th century in France, and if people thought that you were a murderer, it didn't matter whether you were a murderer or not. You were in big trouble. <laughs> yeah. And so you might flee France if you uh, got word that people were coming to look for you. Who knows? Or you could also believe that Jacques Amar had some special talent or gift that allowed him to douse murder suspects, among other things. And that's, a, that's actually a, a point that kind of uh, underpins the entire dowsing tradition. Most dowsers believe that it's innate in them. Maybe innate in everybody, and they're just a little more their their sense is a little more refined. But that it's not like you're picking up some magic stick. It's the stick is somehow an instrument that you your your special innate ability is using to kind of guide you. Yeah, and you also forgot the last possibility there, which is throw a rock in the 17th century France, and you're probably going to hit two people who murdered wine, wine shop owners. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's a good point too. Uh, 18th century dowsing was not so much a thing for mining anymore in Europe because uh, science had improved such that they were like, now we've got better better ways to discover this ore under our feet. Mm -hmm. uh, and into the 20th century, we'll get to kind of where it stands today later, but uh, of course the Nazis got involved because they were into all sorts of uh, weird esoteric methods of doing anything. Stupid and uh, Nazis. <laughs> Stupid Nazis. And Himmler, of course, said, hey, let's look for explosives, let's look for water, let's look for gold ore, uh, just get some Nazis out there with dousing rods and tell me what happens. Yeah, apparently they trained whole units, because again, the Nazis were very stupid. And then in the 20th century, Chuck, if you were uh, educated by or employed at Harvard in the 1950s, there was a good chance you were going to study dowsing. <laughs> well, a lot sure. of Harvard people did, <laughs> yeah. weirdly. At least uh, these four. <laughs> sure. But I mean, how many really were there out there at the time? So yeah. this is probably a significant portion. Yeah, probably like a dozen. <laughs> so, yeah, a full third of Harvard-educated <laughs> people were studying dowsing in the 50s. One guy, uh, Ray Hyman, and another, Elizabeth G. Cohen, they worked together. They were sociologists from Harvard. And they um, studied dowsing by, by surveying agricultural extension agents, the people who were the— um, the, the conduit between education mm -hmm. and, you know, the rural areas, right? So yeah. these people had a foot in each camp. So they were, they were a really good group to, to study dowsing or dowsing beliefs. They found that every single state had dowsers, mostly in the rural areas, and that in those rural areas where the dowsers were most um, densely concentrated, there was about an average in the United States in the 1950s, about 35 dowsers per 100,000 people. That's a huge number of dowsers in the 20th century, middle 20th century still, working in these rural areas. Yeah, I would agree. That's a lot. Uh, yeah. They also did a bunch of, uh, like you said, interviews with these uh, agricultural agents. And it was basically like a little more than half thought it was bunk. Uh, about 20% said they believed in it. About 24% said they were open-minded to it mm -hmm. and kind of on the fence. And one thing that they discovered that Hyman and uh, Elizabeth Cohen discovered was basically people, uh, it, it's not that they so much believed in dousing as being like this foolproof thing, but more like, hey, we can't get a lot of guidance on where to find water and like it doesn't cost a lot to hire a dowser. Right. So it's better than nothing if I can pay someone in the 1950s like five bucks to walk around my field for a good place to drill, it's better than zero. Right. And it's not like they just tapped, like, um, Todd to go out there and, <laughs> like, use a stick to, to be guy. like, drill here. Uh -huh. These dowsers that they were employing had some sort of success in, in their track record. So, it, yeah, they're, they're, it made it a little easier to be like, well, I'll just give this a try because what else, what other, what other alternatives do I have? Yeah. Uh, there was another Harvarder. Uh, named Ivan Z. Vacht, Man. who did some studying of this. And uh, like you said, he found that there were certain people who just seemingly were more gifted than others at it. Uh, it was a part-time thing, usually. Mm -hmm. uh, people did make some pretty good money doing it. And it was almost always something that men did and not women. Uh, and like you mentioned, they 
they generally believed it wasn't like a snake oil thing where they were like, let me see how many people I can rip off with this stick. Um, they, they believed in what they were doing, it seems right. like, about across the board. Yeah, he said universally, basically. Um, he, so he studied specifically Homestead, New Mexico, um, and he found that, um, that he, well, he basically lumped it in with folk magic, mm-hmm. which I think is that's fair. Um, and he said that, that dowsing is the most commonly used type of folk magic in agriculture in these rural areas. Like um, another type would be using the zodiac to predict when to do certain farming, mm-hmm. um, like harvesting or planting or something like that. Um, but you're more, much more likely to find, find people who were willing to believe in dowsing than, than that. Yeah. Um, and that even educated people um, believed in it in the area. And one reason you can kind of give for that is that these areas were hard up for water. So it kind of, it, I would guess that like the the lack of availability of, of water, or at least easy access to it. Mm-hmm would kind of help suspend your disbelief more than somebody who, you know, is has a municipal water supply running right. to their house, you know? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, speaking of Vacht, he continued his work uh, into the late 60s along with his colleague Linda K. Barrett, and they started uh, researching urban dowsers, mm-hmm. which is a pretty good band name. Yeah, what it are, is. What are they? What kind of music? I know this is your specialty. Uh, I'm going to just go fall back on the standby of math rock. Okay. <laughs> I would say pavement, like maybe a pavement tribute band even. Ooh. That's kind of what it sounds like to me. But, it, yeah, I, I'm going to just go with math rock. Okay. Um, they studied the American Society of Dowsers, the ASD. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were founded in uh, Vermont in the early 1960s. I think they're about a thousand strong. And these are people that lived, you know, these are urban dowsers. They live where they have city water systems and plenty of water. Mm-hmm. And they used dowsing for other things, um, sometimes to detect if you had a medical problem, uh, sometimes to look for something that someone lost. Uh, they they basically argued like, hey, you should be using us all over the world where people don't have water. Like, why is everyone against dowsing when you should be uh, enlisting us? Right. And the ASD still survives today. They have multiple chapters all over the world, as a matter of fact, um, the, the, even though it's the American Society of Dowsers. They, they do have other chapters in other countries. Mm-hmm. Um, and they still douse. They still meet. Uh, they share tips and tricks with one another. I believe they have newsletters. Um, so they're still around, for sure. So should we, t- should we take a break and then talk about how to do it? Definitely. Okay, we're going to take a break. We're going to get our coat hangers out, and we're going to get going right after this. Mother's Day is right around the corner, and in true She Pivots fashion, we're highlighting moms who've dedicated their lives and their pivots to supporting mothers. The iconic Christy Turlington will join us to talk about launching Every Mother Counts after pivoting from her 90s supermodel days. And later, the co-CEOs of Baby to Baby will share how they're addressing the needs for millions of babies and moms. So tune in and subscribe to She Pivots. New episodes out every Wednesday. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Elia Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes. I guess identify the life that I want and and work towards it. I never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true. And I'm not offended by that. Thank you for for going through those things and thank you for overcoming them. Wow. Thank God for the limits. Every time I have one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a different aspect of my life now. So, how'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy. Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and I'm back for another season of my podcast, Climbing in Heels. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as fully obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. My podcast, Climbing in Heels, is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season, we're taking things up a notch. I'll be talking to some incredible women across so many industries, from models and beauty industry stars to doctors, entrepreneurs, and TV personalities. Climbing in Heels is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Every week, listeners will be able to ask me any questions. I'm answering it all. My life is absolutely crazy with so much going on, and I'm so beyond excited to bring you along for the ride. Whether we're talking red carpet looks, current trends, or products I'm obsessed with, I'm here to be your fashion fairy godmother. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm still stumped. There's a, about 10% of my brain is still working out what music Urban Dowsers play. <laughs> I'll come up with it. I okay. can't. That's a, that's a tough one. So, I mean, if it were like if they were clever and they wanted to kind of engage in a bit of wordplay, then uh-huh. I would say they're like uh, neo-country pop. Mm. You know what I mean? Like billboard chart pop. Urban Dowsers. Like they can, their music can be enjoyed in the city or the country. You mean like the the guys that sing about tailgating and stuff like that? Precisely. Ooh. I mean, what? You got Luke Bryan or Urban Dowsers. Which one are you going to do? <laughs> I predict right. Luke Bryan's going to change his name to Urban Dowsers in the next five years. Hey, I'm not going to knock Luke Bryan. I don't know Why his music, you? but he seems like a good guy. From what I understand, he is. All right. So how to douse? You take the, uh, well, there's a couple of ways. You can have that Y-shaped rod. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you hold it uh, by the Y and have the the single stem pointing out with your right. palms upward. Uh, the Y pointed upward, in fact, at about a 45-degree angle. Then you walk around and you wait for that thing to, um, I guess, to move in your hands. You you wait for it to make a yeah. sound. <laughs> and it dips down. Uh, like we said, we mentioned the different kind of sticks that were used. Um, the kind of dousing I see a lot on YouTube, because I did a lot of watching of this stuff, mm-hmm. is the the coat hanger one where they take, and it's not always coat hangers, but just two metal L-shaped rods, and you hold it by the, the small side of the L in each hand mm-hmm. and walk around, and then these rods, you know, come together and cross one another at a place where you're standing. Right. Um, apparently, the American Society of Dowsers says far and away the most um, frequent tool these days to use for dowsing is the pendulum. Yeah. Which can be anything from a crystal on a piece of hemp string to a paper clip on some leftover thread or dental floss even. even. Who knows? It yeah. doesn't matter. Because, again, remember, this is, this is a tool that the human is a conduit for. It's not like the tool itself is super important. Yeah. Um, it's just, it just kind of points out what the human can sense innately. Um, and with the pendulum, they, uh, they basically say if it's swinging forward to backward, that's yes – meaning, okay, there's some water here, or it swings from side to side for no. And because you can get a yes or a no out of this pendulum, you can use it for plenty of other stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, In fact, there's something called information dowsing, which is essentially like fortune telling. You ask the the dowsing rod or dowsing pendulum certain questions, and the way it responds will give you the answer you're looking for. Yeah, it's interesting to think, it just kind of hit me today that they said that this is usually men and this is sort of the one area there where that's true. Like, have you ever heard of a of a man that's a fortune teller or palm reader? It seems like no. that's usually women, right? Yeah, there are plenty of women dowsers these days. I think it right. was just in, in that '50s survey that oh, they were that like they're mostly men. men. Yeah, oh, yeah, okay. because I, I've I've seen interviews with multiple um, women who are dowsers. All right, all right. So that that clears that up. Yeah. Uh, we talked about walking across a field and stuff. That's sort of what everyone usually thinks of when they think of dowsing or water witching is uh, something they call it here in the States. But uh, there's also map dowsing, uh, which that pendulum comes in handy. Uh, or you might just use like a pencil or something uh, where you go to like a, a map and do the same thing to narrow down what field you should walk in to find whatever you're looking for. Right. Uh, the pencil one, I think uh, there's a, a writer named Robert Ader um, 
who wrote a pamphlet that's on the American Society of Dowser website where he talks about using that pencil to find whatever, and you'll hold that pencil over a map, try and tune in, whatever that means, to what you're trying to find, mm-hmm. and feel for the location. And he's like, listen, I've looked for water on the moon with my moon maps. I've looked for the gravesite of Bigfoot. And I didn't big uh, dig uh, Bigfoot up, but I found a spot on the map where there are definitely some large humps of earth. Right. Full stop. So, exactly. So, um, also in that, that pamphlet, Robert Adder, he basically says, like, how you ask the question and how you word it uh-huh. is really important. And he, he gave an anecdote about when he was looking for water on the moon with a map of the moon. He asked the he asked the pencil like show me where water on the moon is, and he said the pencil started to float over in his hand, over don't be ridiculous here over his shoulder uh-huh. and point toward the moon behind him out the window, and he realized he went, oh, oh no, <laughs> I had to ask it where on the map show me on the map where there's water on the moon, and then the pencil pointed it out. So I, I feel like here we kind of reached like the point between finding water on the moon and finding Bigfoot graves. Where most people are, are going to take their leave of dowsing and, and be like, this this doesn't work. But if you step back and kind of strip away all the add-ons and, and stuff that's been, you know, put onto it over the years and just go back to searching for ores or water using this stuff, um, it, you can kind of it, it, not regain credibility. That's not the word I'm looking for, the phrase. It's more— A little more rooted. It becomes, it, yes, sure. It, it's at le- less loony. How about that? Yeah, did that guy also in the pamphlet say I found the Ticonderoga number two to be quite cheeky? (laughs) (laughs) Man, that's an arcane pencil reference right there. Shout out to David Reese. Yeah, he he got that one, but he's slapping his knee right now. Uh, So how does this um, supposedly work? You know, it's not like they're just like, hey, this is magic or whatever. Um, There have been people that have tried to explain like how this might work. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of the explanations, you know, early on were obviously some kind of magnetism or magnetic field or something that people can pick up on mm-hmm. on planet Earth. Um, there was a uh, a German alchemist named Johann uh, Tolde who wrote under the pen name Basilius Valentius, mm-hmm. great name, sure. um, and put out this theory that the metals in the Earth basically breathe a breath that rises out from the earth that attracts the rod and that, um, you know, the trembling rod would, would shake when it hits that breath. Yeah. And this the, was back the, in the day. Right. And the German miners of his day were like, I, we think it's just magnetism. Right. That's a <laughs> kind of a convoluted uh, theory you got there, Valentis. But, um, yeah, so I, I feel like there have been people over the years who've kind of added unnecessarily to the mystique. Because if you think about it, you're like, okay, this is just magnetism. Somehow we're picking up magnetism. That that makes sense. That it's logical. It does. We don't have any way to explain it, but it's a lot better than breath coming up. Yeah. But if you stop and think about it, it you know maybe this guy was just basically using a different word or a different term or embellishing on right. the idea of magnetism sure. or something like that. And if you kind of read into the um, explanations over the years by dowsers for what dowsing is or how it works. You kind of get the same premise that mm-hmm. somehow the person is picking up on something that's invisible to us, but that person can still sense. Yeah, I watched this cool YouTube. There was this guy. Uh, it had 185,000 views. I don't know if he even said his name, but he's a YouTube dowser uh, guy who came on to kind of talk about it. And he just he had a very nice demeanor. He had this big beard, and he was just sort of like, "Listen, this coat hanger isn't magic." I'm not magic. He said, I just believe that there are certain people who can sense uh, voids in the earth under their feet. And some people are better at this than others. Um, Mm -hmm. Other people have pointed to like certain animals that could do this. I know that, of course, these are all anecdotal, but like. Mr. Ed. Like, (laughs) uh, hey, put peanut butter in that guy's teeth and he'll say anything you want. (laughs) Poor horse. Uh, But like, you know, animals like mules plowing fields would. Um, there are anecdotal stories of them like stopping at places and like refusing to sort of walk over an area that later turns out there was something buried underground that would have like harmed the plow or something like that to say. Um, but this YouTuber was he was a good guy and he was just like, listen, you believe it or not, I'm not saying you should go do this stuff 
or you should believe it. Um, but this is just what I feel like people, there are certain people who can sense a void in the earth. I, w- I was waiting for you initially to say where he was saying, like, my, my, the rod's not magic. I'm not magic. My beard, that's magic. <laughs> <laughs> but no, he turned out to be fairly sensible. Um, and this is something I remember from childhood, though, um, from church, is that Christians have long sort of had this, you know, it's kind of the dark arts in a way. And so anytime it's something in that realm, Christians are going to be very much like, no, no, no. Um, I don't remember specifically what it was, but I have some vague recollection from my childhood of hearing about water witching and and someone saying, I don't know who it was, but someone in my life could have been someone at church or in my family even saying like, no, 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 that's like, that's like, you know, black magic, basically. Right, exactly. It, call it folk magic, call it whatever. It's It's still not. It's still not God performing a miracle. It's you. Exactly, yeah. And therefore, it's blasphemous and demonic, and the devil's somehow involved. We just know it. I'm sure it's Judas Priest's fault to some degree. (laughs) It's that same impulse. We don't understand it, so it must be demonic. The irony here is that what they're afraid of and don't understand probably doesn't even exist. It's not even necessarily real. So they're afraid of chance happenings, of, of people just randomly getting something right once in a while. Yeah. Martin Luther apparently was not a big fan of dowsing. That doesn't surprise me. The, and there was a guy named Johann Gottfried Ziedler. Uh, he wrote a book that was basically like, hey, these people are tapping into something called the world spirit. Mm-hmm. And if you tap into that, man, you can find out anything you want. Like whether somebody who died went to heaven or hell. You're not supposed to know that. Right. You're not God. <laughs> Keep away from dowsing, essentially, what, yeah. what Ziedler's message was. Yeah, I'm sure there was a lot of... Uh, Christian pushback on that guy. <laughs> so, um, as as science kind of progressed, people it, there's a really long tradition of people trying to apply science to uh, explaining dowsing. Um, and I say we take our second break and come back and and get into some of those because they're this is where it gets super fascinating to me. Let's do it. Mother's Day is right around the corner, and in true She Pivots fashion, we're highlighting moms who've dedicated their lives and their pivots to supporting mothers. The iconic Christy Turlington will join us to talk about launching Every Mother Counts after pivoting from her 90s supermodel days. And later, the co-CEOs of Baby to Baby will share how they're addressing the needs for millions of babies and moms. So tune in and subscribe to She Pivots. New episodes out every Wednesday. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and I'm back for another season of my podcast, Climbing in Heels. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as fully obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. My podcast, Climbing in Heels, is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season, we're taking things up a notch. I'll be talking to some incredible women across so many industries, from models and beauty industry stars to doctors, entrepreneurs, and TV personalities. Climbing in Heels is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Every week, listeners will be able to ask me any questions. I'm answering it all. My life is absolutely crazy with so much going on, and I'm so beyond excited to bring you along for the ride. Whether we're talking red carpet looks, current trends, or products I'm obsessed with, I'm here to be your fashion fairy godmother. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. New year, new name, new energy, but... Same old us. Oh, yeah. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. But that's not all. We will also have special guests to add their thoughts on the topics, as well as break down different political issues with local activists in their community. If you like to be informed and to expand your thoughts, listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, 
Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. All right. So we were going to talk a little bit about the beginnings of um, sort of the modern take on things. And uh, well, I guess this is less modern because this is the seven, late 1700s. But uh, in 1693, there was a French priest and a doctor of divinity named uh, Le Lorraine de Valmont. Great book. It's a great name, but not a good hotel name at all. It really attracted right. attention to you. <laughs> I think it's a great book. Great name. I wrote a book about um, Amar. Remember Amar who found the, I think, mm-hmm. the murderer? Jacques Amar, the, probably the most famous dowser of all time. I think, well, did he have 185,000 views on YouTube? Because mm, Beardy I'll got bet it. he would have. Okay. He would have. He was quite a showman. Uh, so he wrote a book when he basically wrote about Amar's success where he claimed that certain particles um, arose from water underground, from treasure, from a dead body, let's say, and they would enter the body through the pores and that some people, like this YouTube dowser said, were just particularly sensitive and that seems to be the sort of the, the refrain that, like you said earlier, some people just claim to be more sensitive to this either magnetic field or these uh, this energy coming out from the ground or these voids in the earth. Right. Um, and the this is about where science starts to kind of try to be applied to explaining dowsing. Uh, in that Dave Valmont um, termed these particles les atomes. Because Robert Boyle, the father of chemistry, had already um, identified that there are probably something called atoms in in the world and that they are just out and about. Mm -hmm. And so what uh, Lorraine de Valmont was saying was that some people are sensitive to those laser atoms. And that kind of kicked off that tradition of like, oh, there's this new science. Let's figure out how it applies to dowsing. Right. Or, hey, let's, uh, I believe uh, in the 1900s, there were French priests uh, that practice what they called radiesthesia, which was let's use dowsing to detect uh, radiation of various mm-hmm. kind. Let's find it to uh, diagnose disease. Um, and this, you know, this again is when it veers away from like water and iron ore or something, right? To a little more of the um, hokey pokey. But again, radiation had just been discovered, and in no time, three French priests are applying it, saying like that's what right. we're detecting. That explains it. Um, some other people have said, oh, it's electricity. Some people say, yeah, it actually is radiation or it is magnetism or something like that. And then you've got the other camp that's like, no, it's ESP. Or these people are, are conduits for God or something like that. Um, what was that thing you found that I, in reply, sent you a picture of Professor Frank? <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember where I saw that, but it was a really neat explanation of it. Um, so it was basically saying that we have... Um, like our cells are capable of accepting electricity or some mm-hmm. sort of charge or whatever, and that the, that ores and water emanate things that can charge those cells, and that that's kind of how we pick it up. Okay. It's I mean it's just another way of putting it. It's just again we know about cells. We know that cells' currency is electricity. Or that they, they they can transmit electricity, so therefore maybe those that were on a cellular level, some people are picking it up, and that's what dowsing is. It's it's that same tradition. Now we understand something a little more about the universe. Let's figure out how it applies to dowsing. Right. Perhaps it is the when in terms of human bodies, it is the soul. Perhaps. <laughs> you know. Maybe that's dowsing is the is the um, window to the soul. I thought the eyes were. Nope, that's wrong. It's dowsing. <laughs> Uh, as far as modern science goes, uh, and this is something that uh, you reminded me that we talked about in our Ouija boards episode, mm-hmm. is that people were doing this with their hands uh, with something that's called idiomotor movements, which is uh, your your muscles are twitching because of some kind of subconscious mental activity that's going on. Yes. Um, and that ties into that last explanation I was mentioning about the cells and the electricity. They were mm-hmm. basically saying like, yeah, that's totally correct. The ideomotor movements are triggered by the emanations from the ground that enter your cells and trigger your muscle movement uh, unconscious to you. Yeah. So like someone may be good at finding water because they've spent a lot of time in a p- particular area finding water and they're, they have this subco- subconscious thing to where they're picking up on the vegetation or the way the ground is, 
and they don't realize it. So then they'll stop at a place that their body is saying, here is water, and it's translating to that idiomotor movement making the rod dip. Right. That's one explanation, right? That that um, we they have some sort of what's called non-conscious um, intelligence. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, the other explanation I was saying is like they were saying no – the water or the ore itself is putting something up yeah, from yeah. the ground that's triggering your muscles to to um, engage in that idiomotor movement. So they're both saying, yes, there's idiomotor movement. The dowser, the people, the person holding the dowsing rod is is causing these movements without being aware of it. But the different explanations of why is that either the person is noticing some vegetation that they're not aware they have linked to water unconsciously. Right. Or, or the other one is that the water itself is is emanating something that's triggering that idea motor movement in the person. It's a little more than potato potato. The, there's a pretty big difference between those two, even oh, though they sure. share the majority of the explanation in common. No, I agree. They're quite different. Um, I mean, if you're out there screaming at your phone, <laughs> guys, there's water under the ground all over the place. So yeah. anyone can take a couple of coat hangers and dig down 12 feet and find water probably. Mm-hmm. The YouTuber acknowledges this and says, yeah, there's water all over the place. He said, but some places are better to get water than others because you don't just go dig a well anywhere on your property. Right. You, you try and home in on a place that has got, you know, better water, more readily available to pool and where you can get it easier. Um, that's why people bring in geologists. That's why people bring in dowsers. Uh, they have done experiments where uh, I think BBC, um, BBC Science Focus reported on them, where they did like randomized experiments with water pipes underground. They found that dowsers had no success at finding the water. Um, there have been other experiments under control conditions where they find that dowsers don't do any better at finding uh, water than chance would. Right. Uh, our old buddy James Randi um, offered a million dollars to anyone that could prove it. Um, that has not gone claimed, to my knowledge. No. And uh, not just prove that, but prove, like, any real paranormal ability. Proving dowsing would have probably won that prize for sure. Yeah. The, the thing is, is um, if, you're a, if you're a dowser, if you're a geologist, you poo-poo dowsing. If you're a uh, dowser, you probably poo-poo geology. And if you're that. involved in excavating um, wells, you probably poo-poo both. Um, there was a uh, there was a guy interviewed in an Aeon uh, article that Livia turned up, written by Lois Parshley, to where the guy this guy whose job it was was to excavate wells in California, um, as part of his his job, mm-hmm. it was to hire either a geologist or a dowser or both. Right. And he was saying neither one's particularly good at at, at reliably finding a good water source. Um, they're both use different techniques, but neither one's, you know, dead on. So it's not like in this guy's mind, geology is just supplanted dowsing in rural water thirsty areas. Um, because the geologist, you pay a lot more for a geologist. Right, that's the big and they, but. they may or may not turn up water, whereas right. the dowser, you pay, I think I saw about a tenth of what you pay a geologist for a day. And they may or may not turn up water. So it just kind of makes sense in that that rural area. Like, hey, if neither one's going to reliably turn up water, but there's a chance either one will, I'm going to go with the person who charges way right. less. <laughs> uh, there was also the case of this um, science blogger from the UK, Sally LePage, mm-hmm. who was having a water pipe installed. Um, and I believe... The, the UK company, the, the water company, sent out a dowser, and Sally was like, wait a minute, what is going on here? Like, what century are we living in? And the UK water company kind of shrugged, and uh, LePage did a little investigating and found that 10 out of 12 water companies in the UK use water dowsing. <laughs> and one of them, I believe the one that did her parents' house, said uh, in a tweet, hey, we found that some of the older methods – are just as effective as the new ones. Uh, we also use drones and satellites, uh, but, you know, um, a, a little bit of money spent toward dowsing is no big deal, whereas a lot of other people were like, you shouldn't be spending any of our money on right. this. Yeah, because, again, it's pseudoscience, right? So, um, 
yeah, you can understand how people would be upset about that. And then at the same time, it really kind of undermines a lot of um, geologists' work if water companies are using dowsers still, too. I have a question. Hmm? I'm naive. I don't know a lot about machinery. Isn't there some kind of machine that can look into the earth and find good water pretty easily? I I would guess that there is as well, but I don't necessarily think so because if wouldn't geologists just be employing that? And if so, why there, would they have a reputation be. for not being able to to find water very reliably? There, I mean, the answer is there there can't be. Otherwise, of course, they'd be using that. But like, I don't know. It seems like some kind of seismograph. And I'm, I'm, right. someone a lot smarter than me is going to explain why. Which I that's what I love doing about the show. Someone's going to explain to me, and we'll read it on the air. I would guess, though, Chuck, at this point, so um, that really cool tool where you put a shotgun shell in and it stamps the earth and Uh then it, it, like, (laughs) gets an image back on radar or something. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Right. Those things are awesome. But I think they only go so deep, and you're probably looking for water much deeper than that. That would be my guess. Like, if I was watching a movie and it was Mm -hmm. about one part of it had a family trying to dig a well, and they called up some guy, well, wells are us, came out. And, like, just planted some funky machine down on the earth and went boop, 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 boop. And he said, this thing's going to, it's on wheels and it's going to drive around this acre of property and tell you exactly where the water is. I would totally believe that's a thing. Sure, I would too. And in the exact same way, people who hire dowsers and Uh watch somebody walk around their property (laughs) with a stick believe what they see too. Probably wouldn't be a very good movie. But that is a huge, huge area for improvement from what I can tell researching this, unless somehow the dowsing community has managed to completely science, silence the geological community um, as far as, like, water finding goes. I, I don't—it just seems like the geologists aren't, aren't like, of course we can find water, and here's how. I just haven't really seen it that, that where there's, like, this reliable way to find water. Yeah. I just don't understand it. So if you're a geologist um, who finds water, we would love to hear uh, how you do what you do and how reliable it is. Yeah. One more thing, Chuck, before we go. Um, In that Aeon article, uh, there was mention of a study that um, was done at the uh, University of British Columbia by a psychologist named Helene Gauchot. Mm Mm-hmm. And she uh, is the one who seems to have turned up that idea of non-conscious intelligence where people using a Ouija board were actually better at answering questions. They got more questions right when they were using a Ouija board than when they weren't using a Ouija board, which is really, really weird. Yeah. And so Gauchot explained it by saying, like, we might have some type of intelligence or intellect or memory that we can't access consciously, but if we kind of uh, um, put the the power of answering off onto something else, like a Ouija board, we're able to access it because I guess we get our, our conscious mind out of the way a little bit. Um, and that kind of was applied to this idea of dowsers, that these these people, like you said, could recognize vegetation uh, in the in the wild or certain kinds of rocks that suggested there's water somewhere. And they didn't realize that that they've done this, that they've made that connection, but mm-hmm. it's still there. It's non-conscious intelligence. And when they're holding those dowsing rods, they're able to kind of put the power of explaining into the dowsing rod and access that non-conscious intelligence. And that that's how they turn up um, water when they manage to turn up water. Interesting. I thought that was pretty interesting, too. Well, I certainly don't have everything figured out, so who knows? Who knows? Uh Well, if you're a member of the geological community, let us know how you find water and how reliable it is. We'd love to hear that. And since I spoke to the geological community directly, that means, of course, it's time for listener mail. Uh, I'm going to call this Overdue Read. This came in at the end of last year. uh, And this is from Emily Kenyon in uh, the UK. Okay. Specifically in England. Specifically in, I know I always get these shires mispronounced, but... Uh, Leicestershire. Uh, this is apparently we have uh, gotten Emily going on a lot of fun things because of our show. Oh, cool. I want to say thanks for all the excellent work. Let you know that your podcast has, and I'm sure will continue to make subtle and positive impacts on my life. And uh, Emily listed some highlights. I now have an active compost up your composting episode. Very nice. We now regularly have breakfast for tea 
uh, as I wanted every breakfast you discussed in the episode. But as we don't breakfast together as a family, this solved the problem. Okay. Okay. Uh, I asked for the book Radium Girls by Kate Moore for Christmas from the Dial Painters episode. Mm -hmm. uh, and I've just finished it. It was stunning, rage-inducing, and inspiring all at once. And I just ordered a copy for a friend. Very nice. Uh, I'm planning on making the watershed fried chicken recipe this week off mm -hmm. the back of the fried chicken episode. Very nice. That's going to knock your socks off. And my house has never been cleaner and my garden more well-kept since I found you guys during lockdown. Uh, you made pottering around a joy, learning and chuckling at the same time. Uh, although I'm with Chuck on the economic stuff, which is to say, I guess, no thank you. <laughs> uh, thanks again for all these positive impacts on my life and Happy New Year to you guys and the team. Uh, from Happy Emily, New Year. Emily Kenyon. Thanks a lot, Emily. That's fantastic. I'm glad we could have some positive effects on your life. Um, that was very nice, Chuck. Good, good selection. It was good. If you want to be like Emily and let us know how we've impacted your life, hopefully for the better, you can send us an email to stuffpodcast at iheartradio.com. Stuff You Should Know is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, And me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. I am the ferryman. In the shadows of the afterlife, the Ferryman of Souls guides America's most influential spirits to their eternal rest. Where are you taking me? Are you death? This road is not on any map. How much for a ticket? All I ask for in payment is a tale. I don't know who got to Kennedy first. And the devastation those first bombs caused. I've never been to hell, but I know intimately the hymns of the damned. Binge the season of The Passage now. Listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Mother's Day is right around the corner, and in true She Pivots fashion, we're highlighting moms who've dedicated their lives and their pivots to supporting mothers. The iconic Christy Turlington will join us to talk about launching Every Mother Counts after pivoting from her 90s supermodel days. And later, the co-CEOs of Baby to Baby will share how they're addressing the needs for millions of babies and moms. So tune in and subscribe to She Pivots. New episodes out every Wednesday. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.